1: Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome, all. This is Greg Soden. Thank you so much for listening. As a longtime high school religious studies teacher, finding texts that make sense of some of the world's religious traditions that are accessible to students is one of my highest priorities. When I read such a book, perhaps one that contains humor, reveals the author's situatedness and personal journeys through a religion, as well as a clear and concise bit of history, I immediately take notice and want to tell everyone I know what I've found. Buddhist, a guide to the 20 most important Buddhist ideas for the curious and skeptical mind by Dr. Pierce Salgero is one such book. It tracks Salgero's personal journey through experiences of Buddhist practice in Thailand, through his PhD, and teaching experiences of talking to students about Buddhism, and concepts such as non-self, bodhisattvas, refuge, and more in digestible ways in chapters that are perfectly concise under 10 pages and can be read and discussed often within a single class period with my students. Of course, this book is relevant to far more than readers than just teachers and their students. Salgero's book is digestible for beginners and knowledgeable folks alike, as noted in the subtitle, for the curious and skeptical. In this conversation, Dr. Salgero and I also touch on his other new book, A Global History of Buddhism and Medicine, out now from Columbia University Press. So this episode is a two-in-one. Dr. C. Pierce Salguero is a scholar of Buddhism, Asian medicine, and cross-cultural exchange. He has a PhD from the John Hopkins School of Medicine and teaches at Penn State University's Abington College. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation on Buddhist, as well as a global history of Buddhism and medicine. Dr. Pierce Salguero. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be speaking with you. And I'm wondering if we can just start off by having you introduce yourself a little bit to the audience who's listening, however you see fit. Um, Sure.
0: I'm um, an associate professor of Asian history and religious studies at Penn State's Abington College, which is right outside of Philadelphia. And um, I've been an academic for um I guess the last 20 years and before that I was a um briefly a practitioner of traditional um Thai medicine for several years um and so uh, I think my my uh books that we're going to be talking about today kind of represent um in some ways a coming together of those two different interests in Asian medicine and in in uh, Asian history and Buddhism
1: Wonderful. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, this is your first appearance ever on a podcast, correct?
0: Yes, that's true. That is true. I have a couple YouTube videos here and there that have come out from interviews with people. But uh, yeah, this is my first time on a podcast. So thank you so much. for. I'm glad to be with you for this uh, uh, inaugural event. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm so delighted. I'm and I hope this is the beginning of many appearances that you get to do to talk about these new books that you have out because you just have such an interesting array of work which we'll dive into here in a little bit. But before we get into your actual books, um you you study and write about Buddhism, and I'm wondering how you originally got interested in Buddhism in general. What was that path like for you as a curious person to discover this tradition that you have made a profession out of uh, reading and researching?
0: Yeah, um, so um, I became interested in um, religions really, really early. Um, I grew up in an atheist household. Um my family moved from South America to the US when I was seven. Um, and uh, we didn't really have any kind of um, religious traditions that we practice in the family. But for some reason, uh, right around uh, 11, 12 years old, I started getting into um, religions and, and particularly into Asian religions. Um, so throughout high school um, and college, I was uh, you know, reading, um, Taking courses and, and and reading for fun about uh, Taoism and various forms of Hinduism and eventually Buddhism. It wasn't the first um, the first tradition to really grab me, but uh, uh, in college I, I started to become more interested in Buddhism. Um, but all of this was kind of textbook based, uh, book based knowledge. I didn't have any. Um, practice whatsoever any experience um, with living traditions of Asian religions um, Mm -hmm. until until, um, I graduated from college and went uh, to Southeast Asia with a friend of mine um, for what was ostensibly supposed to be a six-month trip mainly scuba diving in the Philippines Mm -hmm. and uh, Indonesia Um, but I became at that time um, I I just became hooked by, um, Buddhism and, and, um, my friend wound up after six months going back to the U S and I wound up staying in Asia and lived, uh, lived in Thailand mostly for the next four years and, Mm. um, practiced, uh, I I, I stayed, uh, for, uh, residential retreats at like both monasteries and meditation centers in different parts of Thailand. Um, yeah. And I just kind of that launched me on my way to being interested um, in in both the practice, but then eventually also the uh, the history and, and the you know philosophy of Buddhism as well.
1: Oh, I love it. Well, I want to I want to linger on this this travel aspect and your time in Thailand, and I'm wondering if you can just tell me a little bit about. Some of the like what what tradition you pursued, maybe some of the places that you went that were important. I, I just love hearing travel stories so much. And I'm wondering if you can, you know, reflect on that a little bit with me.
0: Yeah, sure. Um <clears throat> so um I in Thailand is a Theravada Buddhist country. Um, so I was mainly um exposed to Buddhism initially through the Theravada tradition. Um, and like I said earlier, I spent uh spent some amount of time both in meditation centers as well as um, staying as a resident in monasteries. I I was never a monk, but a lay, like a long-term lay resident. Um, And uh, um, my my experience in Thailand was sort of back and forth between um, more secular um, meditation centers that were associated with the Goenka um, organization Um, so, so less overtly Buddhist and more sort of, of the kind of what we would call Buddhist modernism or, um, a more modernized form of Buddhism. Um, and, and then going and spending time in Thai temples, which are much more, um, sort of traditionally Theravada. Um, so, so I, you know, was kind of gravitating back and forth between those two different kinds of environments. Um, the other thing I was really involved in at the time, actually, um, just as much as. Uh, studying Buddhism was learning traditional medicine and I said I eventually became a practitioner of traditional Thai medicine um, mm-hmm. but I was spending spending a lot of time with um, learning in both um, sort of formal and informal settings um, learning um, Thai massage which is kind of like a mm-hmm. assisted yo- yoga therapy um, maybe is the best way to describe it uh, as well as herbal medicine and I got really fascinated by the intersections between um, the the uh, traditions of buddhism and the traditions of healing that i was being exposed to in thailand Um, so there were a lot of really interesting um, areas where those two overlapped Um, some of which had to do with uh, the ritual practices and um, spiritual healing practices that were being done by healers and some of it which had to do with the health related practices that i saw in the monastic setting so those mm. are two kind of areas where these two fields overlapped um and yeah i was interested as a practitioner and as a as a you know enthusiast at the time um but eventually after you know being in thailand for um about four and a half years or so at the end um by that time i had really decided to go into this um more from the historical perspective more of a scholarly perspective And so I came back to the States and re-enrolled in graduate school, and that kind of uh, represented this sort of fork in the road for me. Um, And I eventually, you know, went moved away from practice and more into academic study.
1: When you left Thailand and came back to the United States, this connects into the book that we're going to get into, Buddhist here in just a moment, but does, when you left Thailand, did you know that you were not going to continue pursuing practice? um as like uh you know as an actual person who identifies as buddhist did you know that that was something that you were feeling for your own personal beliefs when you were leaving thailand
0: i i think when i left thailand i was i I wasn't yet at that at that moment um when i first got back to the states i I went to graduate school i did a master's degree part-time for um about four years and it was really over that period of time that i sort of um I both was working as a, a practitioner of, of uh, traditional Thai massage um, and herbal medicine and was teaching courses, um, but at the same time was taking classes on the history of Buddhism and on the history of East Asia and so forth. And it, it was really over that four year period that there was sort of a transition um, from, uh, f- from primarily seeing myself as a practitioner to primarily see myself as an academic um, mm. so in 2005 when i started my phd program um at johns hopkins uh university it's in it's in maryland and in, in that state i was not uh legally allowed to practice um thai massage anymore mm. um and I, I very willingly went to maryland and made that choice to to at that moment to um sort of leave behind my life as a practitioner and become a full-time academic.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So what would have been your, have you been at the same university teaching as a professor the entire course of your academic career? What was that? What was that like getting out of grad school?
0: Yeah, I had a, I had a one year pre-doctoral fellowship uh, before I finished up my um, dissertation at a small college in Syracuse, New York. Um, Oh, down the road
1: for me. Nice.
0: Yeah, I was at LeMoyne College um, and I was there for, you know, for nine months and then um, and then got the job that I have now. And so I've been uh, at at, uh, Abington College for the last 12 years or so.
1: I love it. Well, let's talk about a a couple of books you have out. The first book, um, you have a few new books out, which essentially have come out at the same time, which is wonderful. And I want to start with the book, Buddhist A Guide to the 20 Most Important Buddhist Ideas for the Curious and Skeptical, which is out now from Beacon Press. And personally, I'm loving this book. And I also want to say upfront that I love the fact that you have an audio book available as well, because I've been like listening. to the audiobook performance, but also reading the physical book, and I have absolutely loved this book so far. And this seems almost like a career culminating work, like that someone who has lived and studied the tradition in like a seeker and an academic manner could have written. And so this is the kind of book that I would love to like use with high school students in a way as well because it's so accessible. But I want to know a little bit about the story behind this book and how this book took shape for you and how you got the momentum uh, going to pursue the idea for the book boodish
0: Yeah, yeah, thanks. I, I'm glad you're um, enjoying it, and I, I also um, am happy that you see it as being a good fit for uh, high school students. and And the the book. Um, the book did really emerge out of me teaching courses on Buddhism for quite some time now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have been teaching both within, um, the college setting, but then also teaching, um, workshops on Buddhism to practitioners of traditional Asian medicine. I've been doing that for, you know, since I got back from Thailand. So like, you know, 20, 25 years at this, or 24 years at this point. Um, and, and, um, as well as I teach, um, you know, occasionally um, courses for public libraries and other kinds of community institutions around in the area where I live, um, and so I have been for many, many years, um, dissatisfied with the textbooks that are available um, mm. on on Buddhism, and the the textbooks, in my experience, are, um, they have been too uh try too hard to read maybe a little too too a little too disengaged a little too um um, uh, academic in their presentation um for my purposes in the kinds of courses and the kinds of students that i've had Um, i've often found that the students are um, alienated by the textbook and on on the other hand um, Looking for introductions to Buddhism that are not written by academics, but are written by um, practitioners of Buddhism, I have been um, often dissatisfied with the way that they'll just present one uh, particular Buddhist tradition, or they'll have a very heavy handed sort of doctrinal um, approach to Buddhism that is Particular to their own sectarian affiliation, and mm. so what I what I was really longing for was a book that was as accessible and engaging and personable as some of the Dharma books that are out there, but that was at the same time presenting sort of objective, more historical, more nuanced, and maybe more critical material. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just didn't seem to exist, and I kept waiting for it to uh, emerge. And uh, you know, I eventually decided to write that book myself so that that's really what Buddhist um is intended to be a sort of uh you know objective um sort of scholarly perspective on buddhism but told in a way that's really lighthearted and personal and involves a lot of sort of my stories um, from my own experience and some thought experiments and and other kinds of um uh know uh uh, uh, other kinds of presentations of the material that are um, a little more um, accessible for younger people as well as for sort of general audiences um, that aren't necessarily committed to this very um you know academic approach to buddhism or nor are they necessarily committed to becoming buddhists Mm,
1: yes well, and that, that, that lightheartedness, I think, is what makes the book so interesting to me and makes me want to, you know, have my own high school students read passages from it. And the title itself is even got some humor in there. Can you go ahead and explain the, uh, the, the title, Buddhist, and how that kind of reappears throughout the course of the text and why the title is important?
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit of a joke. Uh, I, you know, I say at the <laughs> beginning of the book that, um, you know, at one point I would have called myself Buddhist. You know, that was a long time ago, and 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 now, um, you know, I I, I consider myself a fan and also a critic of of buddhism i have you know uh, it's played a major role in my life and i've uh have a lot of um uh deep interest and and respect and um you know have had a lot of uh, very positive experiences myself with buddhism and on the other hand i've also you know learned through the academic um study of buddhism about some of you know the dark side and some of the problems you know both historically and today with um um you know, within within the Buddhist tradition. And so, um, you know, it's a way of kind of um, a nod to my uh, appreciation for the tradition while not necessarily signing up for all of the theories and all of the beliefs and all of the um identity that goes along with, you know, calling oneself Buddhist.
1: Gotcha. Um, I'm wondering, I'm wondering if you have any like favorite parts of the book or favorite chapters that you kind of had a really good time digesting and, uh, you know, putting down on paper and editing, like, were there any like favorite parts that you personally have?
0: I I had a lot of, honestly, I had a lot of fun writing this book. Um, just the, the book on the whole was, it's just such a different project than writing an academic book. Um, and I was able to use, uh, a very different voice than I normally write in. And, and so, um, you know, I, I enjoyed as I was writing it, um, visualizing or like imagining that i was um was explaining buddhism to my brother or my sister or one of my teenage daughters or to my uncle or to a friend you know just an ordinary person that isn't an academic that isn't buddhist that doesn't necessarily meditate that isn't really um predisposed to um know accepting or even being interested in buddhism um but but being able to sort of imagine that i'm having a conversation with them while i was writing it um to tell them what i think is interesting about this tradition and why i've spent you know so so much of my life uh um thinking about it and and working on it um you know even if i'm not uh you know card-carrying devotee of of buddhism sure. Um, so it wasn't so much a, a particular chapter more more so than just like a kind of a running thread throughout the book um where where i was imagining my my uh, audience in this very sort of like conversational way
1: awesome well one of the concepts that i personally have loved teaching about during my own units with high school seniors when talking about buddhism is the concept of no self And that was such a fun chapter for me because I was thinking immediately how well that chapter would work within my own class. Because it's always like I'm always asking my own students, okay, so like where do you see yourself and this like unchangeable part of your identity? And is it somewhere like behind your eyes where your consciousness resides? Can you put your finger on it and point to the self? if you you know chop off an arm are you less of the self than before and so i always love asking questions like that because the students are like oh my goodness what is the self and then what you get down to is it's like i really can't identify anything and i'm wondering how um you know you personally like go about teaching things like that in your own classes and if you have a uh, sort of like things that you like to do within your own classes to talk about some of the um beliefs and within buddhism that are so intriguing to people who have never really dove into it before
0: yeah i mean I, i i think some of the thought experiments that you were just that you were just talking about are, um, you know, similar to to some of the thought experiments I use with my students. Um, but uh, yeah, not non-self. Um, I mean, it's such a core idea within basically yeah. all all forms of Buddhism, and it's it's essential that you, you really have to talk about it. You really have to get, get this across to students one way or another in an intro course on Buddhism. Um, but, but this is one of the places where, I I mean, I, you know, earlier described myself as a fan and a critic of Buddhism. And I Mm -hmm. I feel like this particular concept, um, you know, isn't always the most helpful concept for teenagers or people in their young twenties to be, um, hit over the head with. And, and what I mean is, you know, I think at that age, um, people are, um, just really starting to come into their own and really starting to emerge as Mm. selves from under the shadow of their parents or their, you know, schooling or their upbringing. Um, It's a time of life where they're really learning to stand up as individuals and individuate from their, you know, childhood, Right, um, where they're really, I think, in need of um, in many cases in need of um support informing their new selves and along comes this concept of buddhism which if, if 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 it was deployed in an in a less skillful way in a classroom it could lead students to walk away thinking um you know i'm 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 not worthy i'm not uh worthy of being an individual i'm
1: not uh, oh, right
0: you know worthy of being a Uh, separate person you know as i think it's one of these areas where non-self really it really matters how you present it to a teenager versus uh, you know 45 year old versus a. sure right so yeah yeah so now i
1: feel so guilty
0: (laughs) (laughs) no no i think i think the kinds of um the kinds of thought Thought experiments that you were talking about, I think, are 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 fun to do. Um, yeah. Another another way that I approach this is to really in the in the classroom to to really focus on um, having the students reflect on how they are constructing themselves, mm-hmm. what aspects of identity and background, and uh, you know uh, their social roles and their you know their their interests and so forth. Are they are they using to build? A sense of self around. Um, and so that's a way of kind of like both cluing them into the fact that they are doing this process, that they are um, building new selves, um, you know, in their college, in their early college years, while while also really pointing out the constructed nature of that process, right? That that self is isn't something that's necessarily inherently there, but it's something that you're building and crafting and creating um so it's more of a verb than it is a sort of a permanently existing um kind of entity um so anyway i th- that's that's an approach that i often take in that in that particular section of the class um
1: i love to it to draw it yeah do you have any other uh, thoughts on, um, I, I want to talk about your your other book a little bit as well, because, um, you know, it's rare to have somebody have two brand new books come on the podcast at the same time. Um, but do you have any other thoughts on bootish about the, the rollout or the last several months and any feedback that you've gotten that you were really happy with or um, any, you know, thoughts you've had since the book has come out?
0: Yeah, uh, well, I'll just say that the timing of these two books, it's actually a little bit kind of overwhelming for me um and it had to do with uh the um supply chain shortages of paper in the (laughs) that affected the publishing industry so buddhist got delayed a little bit in coming out um but anyway uh the the um uh the thing i was going to add about about um buddhist i don't i don't think i've i've said yet is that um Um, one of the main kind of groups of people that I was interested in reaching with the book is people who have, um, a meditation practice, maybe a mindfulness practice. Maybe it could be a Vipassana practice. Like I had, um, that are, um, you know, getting benefit in their lives from meditation, but haven't necessarily taken the step to, um, to, to. Becoming more informed or more aware of the Buddhist tradition more generally, and it can be really overwhelming to know sort of where to start because Buddhism is such a huge, um, you know, hugely diverse uh, um, tradition with all these different schools and sects and cultures and languages, and I, I think it's often overwhelming for people to know kind of where to start with with their interest in Buddhism, and so you know. Uh, often their choices are random, they go to the bookstore and they pick up, a, you know, maybe it's a book by the Dalai Lama, maybe it's a book by, you know, the, a Theravada Buddhist monk, or or, or who knows, right, so um, one of the things I was hoping this book would do would be to be able to provide people um, with kind of like a, an introductory overview, um, I talk about all the various schools and traditions and um, sort of put them on the map, so then somebody who's interested in learning more um, would know where to start and and have some some, uh, key terms and some ideas about where where they would like to go next. Um, At the very least kind of discriminating between Theravada Mahayana and uh, uh, Vajrayana and then sort of modernist forms of Buddhism.
1: You mentioned your own practice with Theravada when you went to Thailand. Was that like simply because, did you land on that because that's where you landed while you were traveling? Was that sort of, of like a practice of convenience and location?
0: Correct. Yes. I just happened to be scuba diving in the south of Thailand and heard about meditation retreat in central Thailand. And so that's that's where I went. Um, yeah. So it could have turned out completely differently had I been scuba diving, you know, in if there was scuba diving off the post a career or something like that, right? It could have turned out a completely different story.
1: I love it. Well, it definitely, you know, forged a new life path, Um, which I, I love those how those turning points emerge within our lives. If I look back at like the major moments where my life went in a completely different direction, that's that's the best stuff to think back on, you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, it's something I, I always emphasize to my students too, right? Because young people are often in this sort of like um you know conveyor belt from high school to college to their first job and just into their you know home owning and child you know child rearing lives and um you know I for whatever reason I had this this um this kind of um hiatus for um you know for five or six years between high school i mean, sorry between college and graduate school um where I really got to you know, explore my interests and explore the world. Um, It's a huge, you know, privilege to be able to do that. I'm really, um, you know, really grateful that I had that opportunity because there's no way that I would have um, decided to uh, set out on this particular research trajectory or this particular career, or this particular life, um, if I didn't have that opportunity to sort of look around and and, um, experiment a little bit.
1: I would co-sign all of that if it was written down, because um, my life had some similar turning points like that as well that I will forever be grateful for. Which honestly led me down the path of creating a show like this. Um, without certain points in my life, this would not exist. So I, I love thinking back on moments like that. But let's um let's let's uh turn a little bit to your other new book, which is called A Global History of Buddhism and Medicine which is out now from Columbia University Press. And I was uh, poking through it. And one of the reviewers, William McGrath said, quote, a global history of Buddhism and medicine provides an overarching narrative for the burgeoning field of Buddhist medical studies. Salguero successfully synthesizes several millennia of intellectual developments that took place across diverse traditions and cultures into a single coherent narrative. And I would love to know, about your interest in Buddhism's connection to medicine as like a starting point and then have you kind of work into how this grand scope of a book took shape for you because this is this seems like a a tremendously large project that you took on and here it is right in front of me.
0: <laughs> yeah, so um so I I did mention how my um my experience in southeast asia was very much uh kind of seeing the intersections between buddhism and health um Mm -hmm. between buddhism and, and, and asian medicine practice um so so from the very beginning of my experience with buddhism i have always seen it as being kind of inextricably intertwined with health and healing um and uh once i came back to the us and went into graduate school that became sort of the focal point for my research and um you know i eventually got a phd in the history of medicine um with a particular eye towards um you know the connections between buddhism and medicine and uh i switched between doing my master's and my phd to focus on medieval china so i wrote my dissertation on um buddhist medicine in medieval china um you know did the the language training to be able to read the scriptures from that period and and um and other texts and uh sort of focused on medieval china for the um first for my dissertation and my first academic book um but uh all along since i already had this background in, in thailand i was already always interested in this kind of um you know the similarities that I saw or the comparison between medieval China and contemporary Thailand so this was always in the the back of my mind as something that was um, uh, a a curiosity and something that was um, interesting to to study further so um, once my first book came out and I got tenure at my uh, at my college um, I decided to take on what seemed to me at the time to be a sort of an impossible task uh, which was to um, to try to produce some kind of comparative global history of um, buddhism and medicine and at the time i'm saying it was an impossible task because we we did have scholarship on this topic um but it was very disparate you know anthropologists working in tibet were publishing you know in some venues where historians of you know medieval china were publishing in other venues and um, those bodies of scholarship weren't talking to each other and they weren't talking to the you know contemporary southeast asian scholarship and they weren't talking to the you know mindfulness research um, It's really sort of a, a very um, diffuse um, um, uh, field if you could even call it a field so Uh, about 10 years ago, I started working on a project. Um, It eventually became two volumes uh, of translations that were contributed by, I think, 86 scholars, Um, also published by Columbia University Press. And it's uh, a collection of translations of texts from across the world from the very earliest Pali texts all the way through to contemporary texts from and interviews with contemporary practitioners um, from all around the world, all around different uh, Buddhist cultures, speaking to all of the various ways that Buddhism and medicine have overlapped in various times and places. Um, so the, as those two volumes came out, um, meanwhile, you know, I was doing a lot of reading of the secondary scholarship. Um, But it really took the the 10 years for me to feel like there was um, enough of, uh, that I had enough of an understanding of the sort of the big picture from both the reading the scholarship and also from having all of these uh, texts translated. Uh, So then I felt that I was able to take on uh, writing this book. And this book is really sort of a weaving together of all of that material so it's weaving together my own research as well as research of you know for decades of research of other scholars and then uh weaving in all of these texts that have been translating as well to do what bill um in the quote that you read um says that I did successfully, which I appreciate that. But uh, yeah. what I was trying to do was synthesize <laughs> all of this material into a single coherent narrative to bring it all together into one kind of picture of of the history of Buddhism and medicine.
1: Wonderful, you know, and I this is a very very new topic for me, Buddhism and the connection to medicine, and I'm just wondering if there's any like important uh, vocabulary or concept that, um, you know, is important to distinguish if there is a Buddhism and medicine or Buddhist medicine. Um, is there any like clarifications or any, uh, ideas that you think are really important for, for people to consider going into a book like this?
0: Yeah, that's, that's great that you picked up on that. That's the, um, that is a, uh, a topic and a question that has come up again and again and again, since, uh, Since I began working on this project, this so the the books, the three books from Columbia University Press, including this most recent one that's tying it all together, uh, have the phrase Buddhism and Medicine in the in the title. Um, So the other two are Anthology of Buddhism and Medicine, and this one this is a a Global History of Buddhism and Medicine. Um, But by the time the third book is coming was being written. I, at the, in the introduction, commit strongly to using the term Buddhist medicine. Um, and uh, to, to be clear, the way I'm using that term is a little bit like uh, we could use the term Buddhist art, let's say. Mm-hmm. So the term Buddhist art isn't pointing to a specific tradition or a specific um you know school of art it's a it's a category that we can use to bring together art that's being produced in you know very radically different contexts um like for example a silk road statue and a contemporary japanese manga if they both are depicting the buddha or other buddhist themes we could we could analyze them together um under this category of buddhist art and it would help us to see how they're participating in a larger tradition and how they might be um, you know speaking to one another across across centuries or it allows us a framework to be able to compare um, or to look at similarities and how they're um, constructed or conceived of um, and anyway thinking in terms of buddhist medicine for me um, points to uh, it's a it's a it's buddhist medicine isn't a again it's not a specific kind of practice or a specific idea about healing, but rather it's a field, right? Where we it allows us to bring together um the different ways that different cultures have thought about the relationship between Buddhism and medicine. And it allows us to look at commonalities or differences. It allows us to compare across cultures and across times um, and to see some maybe some um um some uh commonalities to emerge or some differences um so yeah so my this is my attempt to provide a terminology that can be uh both broad enough to encompass all of this diversity of different ways that Buddhists have thought about health and healing but then also sort of focus us in on some of the commonalities as well
1: love it. Well, you know, and something that really struck me as well about your book is that you have a section about contemporary Buddhist medicine. And, you know, by now, most listeners of this podcast will have learned about some of the like the clinical studies in meditation or how it's used in psychotherapy. Uh, I talked to Dr. Ira Helderman a while back on this podcast for his book, uh, Prescribing the Dharma, where he talks about, you know, psychotherapy techniques and I'm wondering if you can talk to me a little bit about that current state of contemporary Buddhism and the medical field in the here and now that you kind of overview in that chapter.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I, I, you know, I, um, I know Ira well, we're friends and I, you know, cite his work in there as well. I think um, a lot of uh, scholars um, recently have been um, uh, really closely analyzing and problematizing in many ways the the science that you're talking about um Mm -hmm. and you know and i i in in the chapter i sort of um summarize the state of that scholarship as i see it um but then i also um pivot towards a, a broader uh appreciation for the um contemporary state of buddhist medicine um so for example by talking about uh, a, a much wider range of meditations it's really you know mindfulness that gets the most attention um maybe compassion meditation gets a little bit of attention too but um you know throughout the book i talk about all kinds of different meditations that buddhists have um, proposed and used um for for health and healing purposes um that may or may not be studied by the um, scientific medical field, um, and and then beyond that, um, connections between contemporary Buddhism and traditional Asian medicine. Um, so around the world, there's traditions like like Thai medicine that I was talking about earlier, but also Tibetan medicine, uh, Cambodian and and um, Burmese medicine that are uh, contemporary forms of traditional medicine that are practiced widely in those countries that are very much. Um, uh, derived from or engaged with uh buddhist ideas um there's buddhist uh rituals happening you know related to health and healing all over the contemporary world and we really saw that with the um emergence of the covid pandemic the importance of uh ritual interventions um, in in buddhist countries uh, all over the world and that's the uh the epilogue of the book talks about covid um And then and then all kinds of different ways that Buddhists are interfacing and integrating with biomedicine, um, from you know, charitable institutions that are building hospitals to you know um uh monks that are consulting with scientists and and public health officials and so forth. Um, so it's just a huge range of different ways that um I mean that's the point. It's just a huge different huge range of different ways that uh, Buddhism and medicine continue to intersect today. Um, and Buddhism is a is a big part of contemporary um, medicine and public health around the world, um, including here in Philadelphia. I've done a research project with uh, students for the last six years or so where um, we've been doing uh, interviews at Buddhist temples um, right here in Philadelphia. Um, and and we've been to 45 or so temples and nearly every single one of them has talked to us about um, how the temple is engaged with healthcare uh, and well-being for the for the members in various different kinds of ways.
1: I love it. Well, and I'm wondering if you can talk to me a little bit about what you see the health sciences struggling with in relation to buddhism and maybe what they're doing well is there like a few struggle areas and a few success areas that you're kind of picking up on in your studies
0: yeah I mean, i'm mean, i'm really excited about the um the research you were referring to earlier about the clinical studies on the benefits of meditation um i think that's that's really exciting research um and you know if we can if we can um learn from uh, an ancient tradition how to help with contemporary um ailments and do so in a way that is um uh y- you know in- inexpensive and natural i i'm i'm very much in favor of that and i think that the research is uh you know it's as much research as as much attention as the research has gotten it still is in its infancy and i think it it it's going to you know take um many more years before we have a, a real clear picture of uh, you know, a detailed picture of how best to use meditation clinically, but I, I'm really excited about the direction that, that, that that's been going in. Um, and in terms of downsides, I mean, in, in addition to the the larger point that I was just making that sort of, you know, the, the all of the attention to meditation might be sucking all the oxygen out of the room for all of the other ways that Buddhism might be able to contribute to or is contributing to health and well-being around the world um so that's a that's a potential downside um but another potential downside is um something that's been emerging recent more recently um in just the last couple of years um from the meditation research that i don't think has been um really explored quite yet uh which is the potential for negative side effects. Um, from intensive meditation practice, and it's something that we're just starting to get um, some publications um, from from clinical studies uh, that are that are talking about this. Um, and you know, when when I saw those coming out, I was I was um, you know fascinated by that, and also it re- it reminded me that. Um, you know, meditation illness or meditation sickness um, is a category of illness that has been around for uh, at least fifteen hundred years. As I have a, um, a you know, a, a medieval Chinese text from the fifth century that talks about uh, um, the negative side effects, the potential negative side effects of um, intensive meditation, and and then give some ideas on how to uh, help people that have those um, conditions, and so um you know it's a an area just another area i guess a specific case um where the uh medical research or the clinical research is starting to discover something that has uh, a, a long history of being spoken about and addressed within the buddhist tradition um so i think sometimes the um you know the health sciences health um c- clinical uh, researchers, um, might be more open to, uh, looking to the historians and the, and the, um, anthropologists for, um, uh, some indications on where the, where the pitfalls might be for the Mm -hmm. the types of, um, interventions that they're interested
1: in. Gotcha. Well, Dr. Salguero, I am very, you know, enthused by the fact that we've been able to talk about two books, uh, Buddhist, which is for a very wide and uh, wide readership and mainstream uh, reader and audience. But then we also have a global history of Buddhism and medicine, which is a very specific uh, academic text. And this is just such a fascinating conversation. I'm wondering if you have any other projects you'd like to promote or anything like that that you'd like for for listeners to know about or to direct their attention to if they'd like to know more about your work yeah uh
0: well i i am launching uh now a project on uh meditation illness that i was just speaking about so cool. i'm hope i'm hoping to bring together Uh, A group of scholars again like I have in the past to uh, do sort of a mass translation project, um, where we would be able to bring um, texts from historical Buddhist traditions that have either diagnostic or treatment um, relevance for for this. these these conditions uh to be able to bring them into english and be able to um, put them out into the world for people to benefit from um so that's that's kind of like next on the on the docket for my my projects um and i did i did want to say uh, yeah the the uh, global history of buddhism and medicine book is more academic than the boot than buddhish for sure um buddhish is written like we said for general audience um and you know young college students and global history is is much more for um people who know about buddhism who are invested in buddhism either academically or practice Um, but i did try to write it in a way that was accessible for um a wider audience and it is available in paperback so it's not sort of the traditional you know really expensive academic um of monograph. I, I did try to make it uh, something that would be readable and be accessible. So I think a lot of people are going to be interested in this topic, you know, that have a background, let's say, in practicing mindfulness or vipassana or something like that, and, or, or, or they're psychologists or they're, um, you know, clinic, clinicians of some kind um, and not historians. So I wanted to make that uh, a book that would appeal sort of across disciplines in that way
1: i love it well it has been such a delight chatting with you today dr pierce Salgero, author of Buddhist and also a global history of buddhism and medicine it's been a real pleasure thank you so much for joining me
0: oh it's 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 my pleasure i'm very honored to be uh uh, a guest on your podcast and and i really appreciate um, all the questions and thanks for reading